Hello and welcome back to episode 22 of the Double Cross Podcast. I'm DJ Cadden and I'm joined by my co-host Ryan Haley. Ryan, 22? Wow, we've done a lot of these. We have. It took a while to get here, but we're, we're at 22. Yeah, apologies for the late episode. This week's been a bit chaotic on both of our schedules. So, uh, but we have a major champion. We do. John Rahm, which is the least surprising. Man. <laughs> it was inevitable. It was. I saw someone on Twitter said uh, DJ Scheffler and Rom had won three tournaments in the last three months going into their Masters wins. And it was like that simple. And like nobody picked any of them. <laughs> like, come on, man. Yeah, so John Rom, a four-shot win at the Masters. John Rom won by four strokes through the bad side of the draw, four putting the first green. <laughs> yeah, after Zach Ertz <laughs> texted him and said the first green looks like a cakewalk. That was really awesome. Yeah. You see the name of their group chat? It's him, J.J. Watt, and John Rom, and it's birdies, birdies and, and babies. babies. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. But, yeah, John Rom. Uh, steamrolled the entire field. Um, man, I this I'm just jumping straight in. This might this is like one of the biggest like star making performances I feel like golf's had in a while. Um, because I had some friends of mine that uh, well, notably Max was on the pod last week, but a couple other friends of mine who were like, yeah, like. I've had I've seen like non golf outlets covering Rom way more than I see typical Masters champions, mm-hmm. and maybe that's him. I think we already had more context about how great he was. Like he he's done the exact same thing that Scheffler had done to this point last season, but I think we had more context going into this year and a higher baseline going into this year about how great Rom was, and so it was like. Like, Scheffler felt like this, like, magical run a little bit because he never won before and then won four times. John Rahm is at, like, the age and has the pedigree before this to be like, oh, like, you might just be, like, alphaing the golf world right now. Yeah. And we might just be along for the ride. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't, like, he got a ton of verbal support from, all, like, on the ground, so you could tell. Um, he's gotten a lot of run in on ESPN and other like non golf media outlets. Um, and he really, it feels like there's something here with John Rom this season. I've always been a big element. I've always been a big proponent of like John Rom was always going to win a bunch of tournaments. It's just like law of regression. He contends all the time. Like at some point he's just going to bust it over down for a couple but it feels like there's something different about him this year watching him. There's something different about like the like aura with which he conducts himself a little bit. Um where it's like he still has the like fire he had when he first got out on tour, but it's like only ever used positively. Does, it, does this make sense at all? Like it only ever gets channeled like positively. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. I mean, this year, I mean, last year we were talking about John Rahm's down year. Three wins. <laughs> he won three times. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, he's been unreal this year. Four wins. Given one of those is the TOC, but it, it's a win nonetheless. It's a, it's still, he's still chased down Morikawa. Yeah. And then 
I mean, outside of the Arnold Palmer, I'm not really counting the players because he had to withdraw, but he hasn't finished outside the top eight in a tournament besides Arnold Palmer. Yep. And he has won four times and won the Masters. Yep. It's the best golfer in the world. Yeah, you said that. I am really glad. This could have been a really bad sound bite, but it also could have made you look really good. Uh, last week, you said that John Rahm was the best golfer in the world, and I almost, I almost pushed back and was like, I think it might be Scotty. Like right now, I almost pushed back and I was like, I don't know, DJ. Like, and I am very glad I didn't, but I want to go full hand up here and say that I did think it, and I have been proved emphatically wrong. Um. <laughs> I mean, we I, talked about it months ago. We said, is it Rom versus the field in Augusta? God, dude, I said, in mid-February, we were like, yeah, it might be Rom versus the field in Augusta. Neither of us picked Rom. Uh, we should have stayed what we knew. We, all three of us on the podcast last week, we were like, is John Rom becoming the forgotten man a little bit? We were all like, yeah. And then we just moved on. <laughs> dude, God, it's so obvious. Um. Every time I every time I look into John Rom's eyes when he's walking up a fairway, I think I hear the Prowler music from Spider Verse, like way off in the distance. Yeah, it's just so intense, just like kind of like power walking up these fairways, just like death glaring at every green. Um, okay, I'm gonna start big and then go little. Um, do you think John Rom wins another major this year? I mean, after watching the Masters, it's hard to say. Yeah. It's hard to say he doesn't win a lot. Um, this is tough for me because I am almost always on the side of no. I mean, if you'd asked me this question about Scotty Scheffler last year, I would have said yes, and he didn't. But do you know the scariest thing about the season John Rahm has had so far? What is that? John Rahm was the, had maybe the best driving season outside of like, Ju- like Juice Bryson, um, had the best driving season we'd seen since like Rory in twenty fourteen. In terms of strokes gained, he strokes gained off the tee is his weakness right now, mm-hmm. according to the PGA Tour website. That was he was literally the best at it a year ago. He was getting over a stroke around. Now he's gaining four tenths of a stroke around. He's twenty eighth in strokes gained off the tee, and it's his worst of the four categories. He's gaining a stroke approach the green. He's fourth. Uh, he's gaining about four tenths of a stroke around the green, which is seventeenth, and he's gaining nearly seven tenths of a stroke putting. That's insane. It's unstoppable. No, I mean I don't know. I know. I know. No laying up's whole like buoy bit has gotten a lot of run, like all of the golf community recently. But like I get it because like the dude just doesn't screw up. And when he does, he just like he he's a pace car a little bit of yeah. like, yeah, he might not win every race, but like shit, he's gonna be in the top six. <laughs> like um I don't know enough about the other three courses. Um I was twelve when they played Oak Hill last and I haven't seen LACC. Um and I haven't seen him truly contend in an open, so I might say no just to be contrarian, but I feel really, really bad about it because I I think he – no, nah, nah, take it back. I'm going to say yes. I think he does. I think he wins one of the next two. Um, 
The next one's yeah. PJ Championship, right? Yes, next one's PJ Championship. Does he kill. go back to back majors? I could see it. I could too. I mean, considering a lot, a lot of again, a lot of this depends on like what Oak Hill is going to play like. I did not look that up before we started this podcast. Hand up, I didn't do a PGA Championship preview prep in three three weeks ahead. But um, it, I feel like the short list for every major has to be like Rob Scheffler in that order. I agree. And I would lean Rom as the favorite for Oak Hill for very obvious reasons. So if you're asking me who I would pick three months out without knowing the golf, like if you're asking me who I would pick a win, pick to win a tournament on a golf course, I do not know. I'd pick John Rom. Me too. And that's yeah. the state of that's the state of where he is right now. Um, what impressed you the most about the way he handled Sunday? I don't know how much do you have to watch the whole day? I got to watch the whole day. Um, so I didn't get to watch like the early morning part because we okay. I didn't go to church my family, but I mean I got to watch pretty much everything he did from I gotta watch all the fourth round basically. And I mean, just the way he was so consistent. I mean, one bogey shot of sixty-nine. Um with the slowest group in golf history right in front of him. Um Kepka just couldn't hold it together. I mean, off the first tee, he shanked it, got an amazing par save, but he just, Kepka just couldn't find it on Sunday, and Rom just played an insane round of golf. And I mean, <clears throat> um, I mean, he got the bad side of the draw, was what, four strokes down coming into Sunday, and just fought his way back into winning this tournament. And I mean, his, Insanely impressive. Yeah, I want to stick on Rom a little bit before we get to Kepka, but I do have a lot of Kepka to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the most impressive thing for me about so I did watch the early Saturday morning coverage, and a lot of, like it was a lot of golf that like I think John Rom of like 2018 would have gotten really pissed about. And I typically hate being this guy because I think that the whole idea of temper gets overblown. I think he kind of like, I think he kind of needs to get the release. And then I think he's typically more emotionally stable after those temper tantrums than people like to think he is. Um, As someone who also throws temper tantrums on a golf course, (laughs) I can, I can fully attest that like you throw a club and everyone's like, like walking on glass around you for a hole or two, but you feel really good. Like for the next five minutes. So, um, but he made three really good putts on the first three holes, uh, made a nine footer to cut the depth, like two stroke swing right off the bat on the seventh green, made a 10 footer with Kepke in there close for birdie on eight. That could have given a stroke back and then made another really good par putt on nine. And he pulled within a stroke after uh, the 12th hole, I believe. And then he just couldn't make a putt. He was yeah. hitting the ball really well. Um, or well enough, but he wasn't giving himself many like easy birdie looks. He was giving himself a lot of like 15, 20 footers and they just weren't falling. And Kepka routinely birdied 13, routinely birdied 15, uh, or routinely parred 15. We'll get to that in a second. That ball hanging up, that ball hung up on the slope. Did you see that on Saturday? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, 
Kapka did a lot on 15 this week. Uh, but uh, Rom doesn't birdie 15. Kapka routinely birdies 13. Uh, and all of a sudden, this lead is back to three. And on the 17th green, it started to feel like it was a little bit over in Kepka's direction, and then Kepka missed a four-foot par putt. And yeah. that was kind of the Kickstarter that got Rom hurtling back toward him a little bit. Um, and I think if like those putts that he missed happened a couple years ago, I think Rom wouldn't have stayed in Kepka's gravitational pull, if that makes sense. I think if the all the misses early on and like getting within one and then moving back a couple down, if all of that had happened a little bit ago, I think Kepka would have like or Rom would have kind of like fallen a little further behind and gotten frustrated. But I think the fact that he stayed within two or three in the stretch where he wasn't playing well is what won him the tournament. I agree. I mean he he never Wavered. I mean, even when he was down four strokes, I mean, he was just out there grinding his ass off. I mean, yeah. I mean, he shot a 73 on the bad side of the draw, which, I mean, the scoring average, I think, was um, a full stroke or stroke and a half higher than the good side of the draw. But just to go out there and stay within striking distance and give yourself a chance on Sunday was extremely, extremely impressive. Yeah, I mean, again, there were so many opportunities. I think Kep, like he teed off down four to Kepka going into the bad weather weather draw. Um, he teed off. He teed off on Friday four down to Kepka going into the bad weather draw. Uh, he woke up Sunday morning four down to Kepka. Uh, he was three down to Kepka with twenty holes to play and just kind of hung around and. Kepka gave him an opening. So uh, I guess this kind of transitions to what I want to talk about with Kepka. Um, I want to talk about the good first, because I think this week was a overall massive net positive for Brooks Kepka. Because yes. I, again, will fully admit here, I'd kind of written him off for dead. Between, I mean, I the knee injury, between the knee injury and the full swing episode, I think everybody kind of like, I, I, I think even Brooks, like I, I've I've seen everywhere, like the only reason that Brooks took the live deal is because he thought they had no juice left. Well, he said, I think it was in a press conference at the Masters. He said, if I was playing good around the time that I went to live, it would have made the decision a lot more difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Which uh, was uh, the fan fiction in my head for the way the the tournament and this John Rom taps in to win on the 18th green and. Uh, Greg Norman like runs out to like celebrate with him and Kepka goes like full John Kent from Man of Steel and just like tells him to stay and then just like tells the tour he's coming back. Um but that was not gonna happen. Um yeah, this week I and it wasn't just that Brooks like rode a hot putter or like was chipping in everywhere or like was on a really easy course. This was like vintage Brooks. Yes. Like with there, I saw a lot made about like oh, like middle of greens, like the three, the two things that Brooks Kepka does incredibly well at majors. The three things, um, he hits the middle of every green. He barely ever puts himself in a bad spot. Um, his lag putting speed is incredible. He might be like under pressure. I would bet on if I, if I had to like 
pick one PGA Tour player at the height of their powers outside of like Tiger um, for like a 60 footer and they have to two putt to save my life, I'm picking Brooks Kepka because his, his lag putting speed under pressure is incredible. Every putt's yeah. within four feet and then he never misses those four footers. And all three of those rules were true until the 17th green on, on the third round. Um, and we'll get to that in a second, but it, I think the two the two moments that stuck out to me where I was like, okay, Brooks is back, um, were and I tweeted about one of them. Thirteenth uh, hole on Friday, uh, he's three under for the round, drives it in the hazard. Or no, um, on on Thursday, I'm sorry, he's five under for four under for the round, drives it left into the creek, and everyone's kind of like, oh, okay, that was fun while it lasted, Brooks. Thanks for showing up. Um, he has to drop like 350 yards to the hole for his third, and then like a really now hard par five. Uh, thumps a long iron down there to like 120 yards, hits a wedge to like 15 feet, makes the like and like almost makes the par putt. And I'm like, okay, that was way too easy. Like, I know that was still a bogey, but like that should not have looked that simple to like give yourself a look at par. And then I, the one that really stuck out was the 10th hole in the third round. Um, hits his tee shot, loses it a little right. Uh, again, he's already given up two strokes back to Rom early on in the day, so he's only up by two at this point. So, like, a kind of leaking oil uh, hits it right, and it ends up under a tree, and he has no shot anywhere. And he has to pitch it back out still at the top of the hill on one of the hardest holes. Now he's effectively giving himself a one-stroke penalty, mm. smashes an iron to 15 feet, makes the par. That is what Brooks Koepka does better than anybody on the planet, and he was doing that everywhere this week, was just making pars, taking his medicine, and knowing when to be aggressive and when to pitch out. Yeah. I mean, he played smart golf for the majority of the week and just couldn't – I mean, I know I've already said it, but he just couldn't find it on Sunday. I mean, he just couldn't – he couldn't convert when he needed to and just – I mean, he played one bad round. Yep. One bad round all week. And it just – I mean, it cost him the tournament, obviously, but, I mean, he's – He's a big winner of this tournament. He might not have won yes. the green jacket, but he's a winner out of this tournament. And before we get to Sunday um, and some other stuff about his closing, um, I want to ask, where does this put Kepka in your mind relative to, like, the rest of the world? So, like, if you had, like, where does this put Kepka on your favorites list going into the rest of the majors? Is he, like, a top five guy, top ten? Is he still a little further down? Or are you still waiting to see a little more? Like, where is Brooks Kepka in your mind when you're, like, making your favorites list for the PGA? I want to put him top five just because we know what he's done in majors. We know he can contend, and we know he can finish for the most part. But... Screw it, I'm gonna put him top five. I'm gonna put him up there with the big three and then whoever else you want to throw in there in the top five. I mean, yeah. He's a four time major champion. I mean, it there's not many four time major champions playing golf right now. So I mean, you have to have him. I mean, he's gonna contend. It's as simple as that. He's gonna contend. Absolutely. No, I am I I'd be happy to be wrong. Um, I don't really necessarily feel a lot when Brooks Kepka's in contention, but I think he is good for the game of golf. Um, I think he's very interesting. He's very compelling. Um, so I really hope that I am wrong. I still would probably have him like in the seven to eight range of favorites just because last year was so bad. Yeah. And he was healthy last year. Last year was like fully mental. Um, 
And I know if you're willing to rule out 2022, he is by far the best player in majors of this generation. Um, I don't, I texted a friend of mine about this. I don't see enough, like, I feel like the like Brooks Kepka Raymond Floyd comparison is like really easy of like guys who like are really good at majors and like tend to be kind of bulldogs under pressure. And like Ray Floyd's talked a lot about how like if he putted for birdie the way he putted for par, he probably would have been the best golfer like ever. But he was so good at just like getting around. Um, And it just like feels like Brooks Kepka to a T, man. I know he doesn't win. Ray Floyd won a lot of PGA Tour events. Oh, and I know Kepka doesn't, but like, man, that comp just feels so easy to make. It does. It does. Um, on a Sunday, DJ, I had a, I had a uh, conversation with a friend about this. Uh, I want to get your opinion. Uh, do you think Brooks Kepka choked? It feels like it. I mean, I I know Rom played a great round of golf. Because I was up, what was he, two strokes going into round four? Four strokes going into the day, but two strokes going into round four. And he shot three over. I mean, it feels like he choked. That was what I told my friend. It's like, I feel like it kind of depends on your definition. Um, Because if if you were looking for like, um, like, I don't know if, oh, granted, this is the double-edged sword of this. Like, it didn't look like Brooks was struggling mentally. It just looked like he couldn't find the club face. Yeah. I mean, off the first tee. Yeah. God, that ball went so far left. Um, so if you if your definition of choke is like Rory in 2011 or Jordan in 2016, I guess not. There wasn't like a massive blow up where it looked like the whole tournament was kind of getting to him. But he woke up 13 under on Sunday morning and 12 under one. And he, like, wasn't in it in the last six holes. And I don't know how else to quantify that other than just, like, dude, that was there for you. Um, And, again, like like I said, it just look, it didn't look mental. It just looked like he couldn't find the club face. But he could find the club face for the first three days perfectly. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's weird. Like, he played yeah. unreal golf the yeah. first it, Three days, first yeah, first three days. Despite all the weather, despite everything, he played amazing golf. I mean, some of the best, one of the best Thursday Fridays in in recent memory at the Masters, and just went into Sunday with a four stroke lead. Just couldn't finish. Couldn't find. I mean, off the first tee, shanking it so far left, just. Insanely left, and he get granted he came back and saved par, but it was just a a, a sign of things to come. He just couldn't find the club face, and it hurt him throughout the day. I mean, he shot three over. I mean, so Brooks Kepka might be the best like champion at his peak of this generation in terms of just being able to like take a tournament by the horns and like summon his best golf when he needs it most. But since he won the PGA at Beth page, which I do think, and this is not a new take, this has been talked about all week. Um, 
which is a bit unfortunate about doing this pod on Wednesday as I now look derivative. Um, when Brooks won a Beth page over DJ and the entire tournament was like cheering on bogeys and missed putts, he looked rattled. That was a very shaky tournament, um, the way he closed it out. And he did close it out. Since then, when he's gotten into contention at majors, Pebble Beach, when Gary Woodland won, he played the first five holes incredibly well, I think in five under, um, to like just go out and chase down Woodland and get within one right away. Played the last 13 holes, one over. Never really challenged Gary. Gary ended up winning comfortably. 2020 PGA wakes up two back of DJ makes the whole like uh, I don't really I don't I I really trust being behind DJ in this spot like kind of disparages his friend um, and diminishes DJ's record and says that he feels like he's the favorite effectively doesn't know who else doesn't know who the other guys are on the leaderboard um, he shoots 74 which is the second worst round of the day and shoots t- and finishes t29. 2021 PGA at Kiowa, one back of Phil. I think he took the lead early in that round and then just faded hard the last like eight, seven, eight holes and uh, shot 74 and wasn't really a massive threat by the end of it. It was kind of a coronation for Phil the last three holes. Um, And then this today, uh, do we need to reevaluate? Do we, re- do we need to reevaluate Brooks Kepka as a major championship closer? Because I feel like everything we've talked about about how great he is so far makes it feel like he's really automatic in these moments. And four for eight is still an incredible record. But when you start four for four and then go over for four, it's hard to like look away. Yeah, it is. I mean, I don't know if I want to write him off just yet because he's going to come back. If I say anything, he's going to come back and win the PGA and just make me look stupid. I don't I, I don't want to write him off. I'm not saying he can never win a major again, but I think we have this impression that Brooks Kepka is this like ironclad closer. But he's not. And he hasn't been in four he's, years now. He's made the cut in three of the last five majors he's played. Yeah, that's the other thing of like And in the yes, final week, round, he's fourteen over in those three. Yeah. Again, like this week was awesome. And I really hope like Brooks is great for the game. I hope he gets back to that old form. And if he does, I wouldn't be shocked, but I want to see like another one before I start being like, yeah, Brooks is top four guys going into this major. Yeah, I agree. Um, Let's see who else. I mean, there's an easy place to go next. Uh, Phil Mickelson finished second. (laughs) <laughs> a 65 on Sunday. Oh, what is going on? A 31 on the back. What an insane round. You know how this week was weird? Phil Mickelson beat the shit out of Rory McElroy at golf. Yeah. <laughs> like, he did. What, what is going on? Um ah, that Phil run was surreal. And I think it's almost unfortunate that I think it was kind of covered up by like Jordan's run, the first like 12 holes of that round. And we were all just like, oh, look, Phil's playing really well. And then we got to like 15 and we're like, oh, Phil's playing really well. Yeah. Um, they shot a best ball 58. <laughs> oh, man. Um, what are your, like, given who he's been our entire lives and with who he's been over the last year and a half? 
what are your emotions about Phil and what were you feeling when he was like rolling in that putt on 18? Cause it's complicated. I don't, he's one of the most complicated athletes in sports. Yeah. I mean, my dad was, a, is still a Phil fan. My mom loves Phil Mickelson. So I grew up somewhat a fan of Phil Mickelson. I love yeah. Phil Mickelson. He, he used to be one of the best followers on Twitter. I don't really keep up with him anymore, but Phil Mickelson is a character, obviously. And, Obviously, the live stuff complicates things. But watching Phil go seven under on a Sunday at the Masters was exhilarating. I mean, in the moment, it was – I mean, I wasn't mad. I was – honestly, I was somewhat pulling for him to get more in contention given Rom wasn't going to let that happen, but – Seeing Phil back to what he used to be, throwing up 50 thumbs up on the way out and just getting fired up was cool to see. But obviously, just the live stuff complicates everything, like you said. Yeah, I mean, it. Phil is the hardest one to sort out in all the live stuff because I think he has said the worst things about it. Um, notably his scary motherfucker comment, um, and that entire piece, uh, but he's also given us the most history and given us the most emotion outside of live. Um, it's hard to like think of Phil as the live guy and not like the guy who won the 2010 masters when his wife had breast cancer or like the guy who hit a putt while the ball was moving in Shinnecock or the guy who won the Kiowa and he was 51. It's hard to not think of all of that and just dub it down to one thing. So I didn't necessarily jump off my couch, but when Phil rolled in that birdie putt on 18, I had like this dumb grin on my face and I I talked to my dad earlier in the week about how I think more than anyone, Phil suffered from all the live stuff at his own hand. I'm not pitying him, but Phil had the easiest reputation in golf to like ride off into the sunset. He was like golf's premier showman. He won a major at 51. Uh, He was going to be like a master's honorary starter. He was going to be like the unofficial champions dinner host. He was going to be like maybe a TV broadcast guy. Like, Phil would have been adored in golf forever. And live golf means that I candidly don't think any of those things are going to happen now. Um, And that sucks for the overall game of golf. Not saying that it sucks for Phil, but it sucks for us as fans that we don't get to have that uh, and have that relationship with him for the next 15, 20 years, as well as what we've had over the last 25 years. Um, so it was nice trying to ignore it as much as possible. It was nice to see Phil get that. I don't know if it's his last run at Augusta. Um, but if it is, it was nice to see Phil get like one more kind of like rot, like kind of chasing after the train on like horseback, like with a lasso swinging through the air, like kind of be who he is at least one more time. Um, so it doesn't undo a lot of things. And then I don't really think this makes Phil a threat for any other majors. 
I don't sorry, either. sorry, Phil. I could not oh, be. No, he, did, he did warn us. He said hitting the ball good. He yeah, can we talk? Can we talk about like the the three days before looks so different now? Like Phil was like not talking to anyone during the Champions Dinner, and then in his pre round like pre tournament presser after he declined a massive one in like the press conference room. Uh, had like a little tiny moment with medium was like, yeah, I just feel like I've been turning 66s into 77s. But I feel like I'm really close. And we we're all like, yeah, sure, Phil. And then he like did it. And we're like, oh, okay. Um, but you know what else? He finished four back. He played 11 through, he played seven through 11, five over on in his third round. And he finished four back. Phil didn't just like finish second. He like kicked the tournament away. Yeah. Um, and then I know, uh, I think someone else uh, tweeted this. He had the same strokes, like total strokes gained, almost identical to Tiger in 2019 this week. So ran into a buzzsaw a little bit, but, um, Phil, baby, he, he hit two drivers off the deck and hit a shot right-handed. Yeah, that was, (laughs) I think all of that was on Friday. Yeah. No one has ever mastered like golf as both sport and entertainment like Phil. Agreed. Agreed. A hundred percent. And holy crap. <laughs> He's fun yeah. to watch. Do you, you, you see him putting on the range? Like he was like putting through the turf on the range before his <laughs> Saturday round. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was like putting through like the range. Oh, it was so good. Uh practicing a Texas wedge. Um, I respect it. I, As an avid Texas Wedge fan, I respect it. You just know that he was like waiting for someone to ask him why he did that, and he had like the perfect <laughs> answer lined up. Um, but yeah, it. I think uh, Kevin Van Valkenburg, I want to credit him for this. Um, said that he talked to Phil after his round, uh, on Friday, I think, and he asked him about uh why he hit. I don't remember if it was one of the drivers off the deck or a different shot. Um, and he said, like, the moment that he asked Phil to, like, talk about that shot, it was – and, like, watching him through the day on Friday, it was like the old Phil came out for a second of, like, he's, like, this gaunt – like, he's lost a lot of weight, but, like, in the way that, like, kind of looks unhealthy and uncomfortable. Sorry, Phil. It just kind of does. It does. Um, it's it, looks, it looks very strange. Um, but – uh, he's like lost all his weight and was like had hadn't talked to the champions dinner hadn't had a top ten hadn't the top ten anywhere since Kiowa, um, and was kind of like reserved throughout the week and uh, I think Van Valkenburg said that he followed uh Phil around and like early in the round he wasn't giving as many thumbs up he wasn't gesturing to the crowd as much and like by the end of it he was doing it as much as he used to do five ten years ago and when he had, like Phil was like kind of a little bit more timid in his post-round presser. And then KVV asked him why he hit the driver on the de- off the deck on eight. And he like lit up and like, was like, ah, oh, let me tell you. Um, and again, I don't, Phil is lying in a bed that he made. I don't feel a whole lot of pity for him that the last year and a half have been, oh, for everything we know about what's been going on with Phil, I don't want to discount what could be going on at home. We have no idea about, but from everything we know about what's been going on with Phil, he's lying in a bed that he's made. Um, and I don't necessarily like pity that week in, week out, but it was nice to see him get 
if it was his last ride at Augusta, get a last ride at Augusta. Because he I feel like the whole world's had him penciled for like one of these in his fifties at Augusta. And it was nice to like see it happen. Yeah, it was. I have to tell my friends all the time with like Kiowa and with this, I had to tell like I had some friends that like aren't as into golf as we are watching the Masters with me. And I was like, don't let the fact that that's Phil Mickelson fool you. He's 53 and has one top 10 in three years. Like, this is insane. He hasn't even played well at Augusta since like 2013, 2015. Like, yeah. this is not normal. And this is the same guy that finished what, 46th at Orange National the week before? Yep. <laughs> insane. Yeah, insane. Uh, who do you want to talk about next? Um, do you want to keep it with the live guys and go Patrick Reed? We can. <laughs> I don't. I don't really have a lot of take on Patrick Reed. Um, Look, what, what Patrick Reed has done at Augusta is it's impressive. It's impressive. It's impressive. You don't have to like it, but you have to respect it. Yes, you do. Because I mean, he's a machine at Augusta. Spieth. I mean. Spieth was Spieth this week. I saw so many pictures of just somebody behind like a jungle of branches and saying, like you, you know, who it one is. person. Yeah. Um, best moment of the Spieth week so by far was uh, the fifth hole. Um, I think it was on Friday. Uh, he hit it way right into the trees. And the featured group camera from the Masters picked up one snippet of a sentence, which is. Um, I know we should, I think it was like, I know we should probably punch out butt, and then the camera like dropped his voice again, and I was like, yeah! <laughs> Woo! Jordan! <laughs> oh, man, he's such a lunatic. Oh, uh, in the best way possible. Um, yeah, I don't, this round felt a lot like 2018 to me. I think 2018, his Masters final round, for my money, as someone who's like not like an overwhelmingly made, like major speed fan, um, and nothing against him. It's just like compared to like most of social media. Um, I still think his 2018 final round is like maybe the most magical round I've ever watched play out. Um, felt eerily similar on the 18th hole, just going way left off the tee through the shoot and make it bogey. Yeah, um, I was sitting there, when he was on the tee. I was, I was saying he birdies here. Rom, yeah, Stump, he's got a chance. Yeah, that was uh, that was the other thing too. Is like I like Phil made the putt, and I was like on the 18th hole, to, like to, for birdie to post eight under. And then I had kind of dumb grin on my face, and then I watched. I think Rom right afterwards missed a par putt at nine to fall back to ten under, and I was like, did Phil Mickelson just win the freaking Masters? <laughs> <laughs> I which no, he didn't. But um, yeah, Spieth. Uh, again, I think Saturday 76, third round 76, and finishes five back. Kind of sucks. Um, he said he was really tired and wasn't really fully committed to a lot of his shots this week, and he still finished fourth at the Masters. Um, he's the best Augusta player of this generation. Yeah, and it's not close. Um, that doesn't guarantee he wins another jacket. That doesn't mean anything going forward. But he has six top fours there in like nine years. It's insane. Nuts. Um, won't be the last time we see him at Augusta, and I'm glad that he showed up at a major because last year I think we were all really circling a lot of majors for him as like really good course fits, and he kind of didn't show up. Mm. And so I'm I'm really glad that he showed up. 
Yeah, I mean, it's always easy to be, especially at the Masters. Yeah, and Go Jor Jor I know Jordan considers it like I know Jordan considers every major the sense of like did I win or did I not, but that was a very big positive week week for speed. It was, it was sad to see the Easter Street come to an end though. Yes, that is unfortunate, but you know, I mean, moral victory. Eh. No. Where do you want to go? Now? Oh, so can we acknowledge the fact we were both a year early on Russell Hanley? Would have made us look sure. like a genius a year, a year yeah. ago. Sure. Um, <laughs> I think it was his first major top 10 ever. Really? Which is crazy because he like nearly won, uh, nearly won Tory. Uh, so that final round must have been worse than I remember. Um, but yeah, his he he putted the lights out on Sunday. He did, he did. Um, you want to go Hovland? Let's talk Hovland. Yeah. Um, I just want to kind of quickly blow by this. Um, I've been hard on Victor for his record on major championships and like being very invisible in them. Um, I'm granting him a stay of execution in my mind. Uh, co fifty four hole lead at St Andrews. Uh, eighteen hole lead. Uh, here got within three after fifty four hole. His last two positions in majors under fifty four holes have been first and third, or T first and third. I'm willing to grant Victor Hovland a stay of execution. I don't really fear him. Uh, in majors yet, it feels like this week he kind of caught lightning in a bottle with his putter. Um, I know the numbers suggest that he chipped better than usual, which by his standards is low, but he chipped like field average. Um, he just. Like he hit every chip to 15 feet. Still, he just made more 15 footers this week than he usually does. Mm -hmm. Um, so not willing to like sit here and be like, oh, I, I would not bet on Victor Hovland to win a major this year, is the point that I'm getting at. But I do want to give I do want to give credit where credit is due, and I've been hard on him in the past about not showing up in majors, and he showed up the last two, and whatever sustainability you want to accredit that to or however you want to like nitpick how he got there how he played on sunday he's starting to show up in these he is and it's good to see as as talented as he, as he is for him to contend in majors and um i i mean i liked him coming into the week obviously not enough to pick him but um yeah i mean i think i don't know if he gets one this year but he's getting one at some point. And I know <laughs> I know I might have jumped the gun a little bit when I said I was ready to throw some money down on him on Sunday morning. But Yeah, DJ the entire like third round was just DJ falling in love with whoever was in third. It was like, ah, can't lay. And I was like, give him like five minutes. And five minutes later he's like fifth. And DJ's like, Hovland? Then I'm like, no, stop this. <laughs> You're hurting yourself. If Hovland had birdied 18. On to in the third round, I would have wasted some money. That was an insane back nine he played. It was. I I thought he was gone. I thought he was out of it. And he birdied what, like 12, 13, 14, and 15? Or 11, 12, 12 13, 13, 14, 14 15. Sheesh. <laughs> Whoo. Yeah, that is, uh, that's real good. That'll get you a lot of money. Yeah, and um, then almost, almost birdied 18. Yeah, and doing it at like doing it at the absolute moment he had to, because I think on the tenth green he was on full life support after he walked off that hole, like 
was like nine back at that point. Um, so know your nine back with like 26 holes to play and rattle off five straight birdies to make yourself back, like put yourself back in the tournament. Huge. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, there's someone else I want to double back to, but uh, Scotty Scheffler. Um, yes. When he when he made the birdie putt on 11 on Sunday, I was like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> not doing this. <laughs> Go away. Um, he struck the ball nearly as well as Rom did this week, and just had maybe the worst putting week I've ever seen a top end player have. Yeah, I mean, he and was I, very visibly frustrated with his putting. I don't even think it was like a like Scotty Scheffler's putting poorly. I just think the balls were coming in. I think he was hitting them all where he was looking. He just like caught so many lips. Yeah, a he lot shot a of lips. he shot he shot a sixty eight on Thursday, and I thought he shot seventy five. And I watched every stroke of the round, and I was like, <laughs> "Man, Scotty played horrible today." And I was like, "Oh my god, he's like T six. Um, yeah, I feel very good about Scotty going forward to majors. This is very unfortunate. I think Scotty Scheffler is going to be a menace at Augusta for a very long time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Hundred percent, and I am looking forward to seeing that because yeah, he lost three and a half and almost four strokes in the first two days. He lost seven point four strokes putting in the first two rounds, and still finished top ten. Seven point four, and he finished t ten and was third at one point on Sunday. <laughs> That's so stupid. If he putted like field average, he would have finished second by like a stroke. So, yeah, Scotty Scheffler, unstoppable. Uh, I would be shocked if he doesn't contend in, in multiple majors this year. Um, last yeah. guy that I really want to go down the leaderboard on, uh, Sahif. Yeah. That Ninth final place. round was electric. He's in the Masters next year. That chip on 16 rocked. It did. You know why it rocked? Because it cut back to Saheth and he looked like he was like somehow just as excited that it went in as everyone else around him. Like I know <laughs> a lot of times PGA Tour players are like, ah oh, yeah, cool, I made a shot, and the whole crowd's like going nuts. Saheth's like, oh my god, it went in. Like, like he looks like he knows how hard that chip was. It was like, oh my god. That round, I mean, what do you shoot on Sunday? 67? Yeah. 67. With 67 with seven birdies in your first Augusta Sunday has to feel like an out-of-body experience. Yeah. To, like, vault yourself back up. Like, he was third at the time that chip went in. He finished ninth. Um, to shoot that round and get himself back into the tournament next year. Um, I like this course fit for him, man. I like Augusta for him. It lets him get away with the squirrely drives. Um, and he hung around all week. Last one more guy we need to talk about Sam Bennett. Got to talk about him. Oh yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah, that not the amateur it, I thought we'd be talking about, but what an no, insane, insane week. No, uh, comes up one stroke short of a reinvite, I believe. Uh, two, two strokes short. Yeah, yeah he bogeyed eighteen. Um, but yeah, Birdie looks at 15 and 16 and made neither of them. And if he'd made one of them in part 18, he'd be back next year. Um, candidly, this raised the ceiling for what I thought an amateur could do at Augusta. I was, I kind of thought the days, like, I was 
incredibly bullish on Gordon Sargent going into this week. I thought he was going to have like one of the best amateur weeks we'd seen for from a guy at Augusta in like recent memory. And I was like Gordon Sargent top 40. Sam Bennett yeah. was in the final group on Saturday and finished 16th. They raised the ceiling for and for him to battle the nerves twice of not only playing Thursday in the Masters with Scotty Scheffler to battle those nerves, but then to battle the nerves of knowing that you just shot a bogey free 68 and the whole world is talking about you and shoot another 68 with one bogey the next day. He went burning chip and eagle to start his first ever Masters. Yes. That's insane. And and after the round, he's like, yeah, that settled me down. I was like, you think? (laughs) (laughs) You're three under two. Um, he was the first. He was the first guy to ever go birdie eagle to start a Masters uh, for 15 minutes, and then Sam Burns did it right on top of him. <laughs> Sam Burns got out to a three, 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 three start. Yes, Might another three. Yes, uh, Sam Burns went three, 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 and then did nothing the rest of the week. Where did yeah. he finish? He finished T twenty nine, one over. Okay. Also going yeah. down the leaderboard, Jason Day shot an eighty. On Sunday. Yeah, that is really tough. That hurts. Just a and he, uh, he was he was one under through six. Yeah, just a bad back nine. Uh his ten through thirteen, double par, double double. His nine through thirteen, double 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 par, par double, double double. Ah, Jason. Man, that sucks. That's really unfortunate. I was really hoping yeah. to have a good week. Um, hold on. My, one of my AirPods is dying. So let's see if I can do this with uh, one of them. Can you still hear me? Yeah, I got you. Okay, cool. Hopefully my voice doesn't sound horrible. Um, I mean, do we go to Rory next? There are or a couple we... people. We, we do have to talk Rory. There are a couple people I wanted to talk first. Um, Just kind of blow by him in my eyes. Uh, Morikawa. Yeah. Showed more resilience than I expected, given the conditions. He, uh, 69-69, with the weather rolling in, I kind of thought he was going to fully eject. Um, He played 6 through 11, 4 over in six holes on Saturday, or on his third round. Um, And the rest of the week, he was 8 under. Um, I don't think he's quite beaten the allegations of not being able to play well in conditions. Um. But this is a course that he didn't have a whole lot of success on in the past. Uh, on a week that played really away from his hands by being wet and long. Um, and he showed up and played well and didn't eject when the weather got bad. So, props to Morikawa. Cam Young had maybe the weirdest week I've ever seen at the Masters. Yes. Um, 67, uh, 72 with a really bad double on 17 uh, for his second round. Uh, was like visibly just like losing it during the second round was like swinging clubs back and forth and like yelling at himself. Uh, Saturday he's, uh, he starts birdie bogey, which is a really weird order to do that on the first two holes at Augusta. Um, doubles seven doubles, 12 um, birdies, both par fives to salvage salvage quote unquote a 75. And then she has a six birdie 68 on Sunday, Sunday. Just a really weird. It felt like every six holes, it was like, oh, Cam Young is like full ejecting. And then I was like, oh, Cam Young's back. Oh, no, he's gone. Oh. Like, very, very strange week, but a T7 finish either way. Um, him and Tagala, those are, I mean, those are two. You got to be happy with those as a Masters rookie. I agree. 
I very much agree. Cam, uh, Cam Young is now finished in the top seven of three of the last four majors. Which, uh, unfortunately, he might be taking Will Zalatoris' crown by default for the rest of the year. Because Will Zalatoris is out for the rest of the season with a back injury. Um, withdrew very, very shortly before his tea time and then decided to have surgery. Um, so, wishing him a speedy recovery. Uh, golf is better when he's playing well. Um, yes. So hope hope we can see him doing his thing in majors in twenty twenty four. Let's see, uh, Xander. Any any thoughts or emotions on Xander? Um, if the answer is no, that is okay. I don't, I don't, I don't think, think I do. So. I don't really think so either. Um, but Xander Fitzpatrick, T uh, ten. Do we want to talk Cantlay and pace of play on Sunday? Oh my God, we have to. Okay, it's miserable. Go nuts, DJ. He Go ahead. That slow. I mean, Brooks Kepka even acknowledged it after the after the round. He said, "John Rahm used the bathroom seven times, which seven times in an eighteen hole round is." I feel like we're missing the story here, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. how much water did John Rahm drink? <laughs> but dude, I mean, every single putt, he's just reading it like he's putting to. To win the tournament, and he's on. He's seven back. Yeah, he's not contending. He's, and then he has the audacity to come out. I think it was yesterday and say they were waiting on the group in front of him all day. When, uh, what was it? I think they were putting on sixteen green as the group in front of them finished up seventeen, and then yeah, they finished a whole. Uh, entire hole behind them. I mean, it's just. I want to. So, to give Pat a little bit of benefit of the doubt, I think two things can simultaneously be true. I don't think Patrick Cantlay is the reason why it was slow. I think it was a slow round, and it was like Pat Cantlay and Hovland played in five hours. The group in front of them played in like four hours and 40 minutes. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like Cantlay was like causing a log jam that only affected the last two groups. Uh, they were, um, I think someone on the ground said that, like, they followed Rom and Kepka and they, like, finished one on their second round, and they were, like, walking down the second fairway to catch up with them, and they heard two tee shots and looked up, and it was, like, Cantlay and Hovland who'd just been waiting on the tee for, like, ten minutes. So, I don't think it was just Cantlay. Um, and I think it sucks that he's so visible and has the reputation of a so player that he's kind of going to fall on the sword for this a little bit. However, just because it wasn't just Cantlay doesn't mean that Cantlay wasn't egregiously the worst defender. Yeah, thank God Sam Bennett and Patrick Cantlay weren't in the same group. Oh my God, yeah, that would have been doomsday. Um, Patrick Cantlay hit his tee shot on 16 before John Rahm and Brooks Kepka had putted on 15. They were still walking up to the green. Patrick Cantlay had gotten to the green at his tee shot on the 16th hole before John Rahm or Brooks Kepka hit a putt on 15, either of them. John Rahm and Brooks Kepka got to the 16th tee before Patrick Cantlay hit his first putt. That's inexcusable. The shot of them just sitting there on 16 tee, just looking... So pissed off is it's inexcusable, yeah. and especially when you're like six back, and it's like it's just a hard. I know it's a hard putt, but like you, 
Like Cantley, especially, you've played here like five times, dude. Like it'd be not that I like not that I like how slow Sam Bennett plays. I was getting really frustrated with him as well, but it made sense for me that like a college kid playing in his first masters is trying to slow everything down. Okay, you've been here before, man. You've been here a lot. You know a decent chunk of what that putt does. Just freaking hit it. Like you're 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 trying to decide between like he shot a three over back nine with no birdies. He was fighting for like a tenth place finish. Yeah, just absolutely inexcusable. Um, and it it, it frustrated me because I like my friends were watching it. And they were like, "Yeah, this is really slow." And I was like, yeah, "I promise, this is not normal. Like, this is this sucks." Um. However, on the other side of it, again, not, this is not necessarily pro Patrick Cantlay, but more like anti tour and anti masters. If you know the tour is not going to penalize you for it, why would you not do that? Agree. Like, if you if you know if you know they're not going to do anything about it, and you know the slow play is like an empty threat. Yeah, take all the time you want over a putt. Speaking of rule infractions, before we get further down, um, Capcom on fifteen on Thursday. Oh, he definitely told Gary Woodland and the caddy what club he had. For those who didn't see it, uh, he hit his chop at the top of the hill. He had a five iron on Thursday from the top of the hill. And while he was taking his glove off after the shot, Gary Woodland and his caddy looked back at him. And Brooks made like an open fist with all five fingers out very quickly and then took his glove off. And his caddy mouthed the word five twice. And then Augusta brought them back into the back room and was like, did you guys give each other club advice? And they looked at each other and went, no. And the master was like, okay, no penalty. Come on, man. He, he very clearly did. Come on, man. I mean, golf rules are finicky because they're so written around intent. And so... There is an element of like you kind of have to ask a guy if they cheated, and it gives an advantage to guys that are willing to cheat again and lie, um, which sucks. But the more disappointing thing to me was like the more evidence came out and the more we analyzed that video and saw like, oh, Ricky Elliott said the word five twice, or like, oh, Brooks made the open fist to show five fingers. Um and the more the two of them just kept doubling down and Kepka was like, no, we didn't help them. Why would we help them? No. It's like, dude, this is such a bad look. And I am very glad that Kepka didn't win by like two. Yeah. Or one. That would have been a nightmare. Um, but I didn't really I didn't really put a whole lot of thought into it throughout the whole week, but it was just again, for a week that was really, really positive for Brooks, that was really unfortunate. Yeah. I mean Obviously, I think that happens more than we know it happens. But for it to happen on that on television for everybody to see and for all the evidence to come out and not get penalized for it is just inexcusable. Yes, I agree. Also, last thing regarding Brooks, can we talk <laughs> Jim Nance saying he's on the CW, the crosswalk? <laughs> <laughs> or on top of that, Scott Van Pelt interviewed him. For ESPN on Friday after the after his round, and he hit his tee shot in the second shot in the fifteen. He goes, "This shot from the top of the hill on 15. What club did you hit here, Brooks?" <laughs> God, it was so good. Um, major props to Nan. Nan still has his fastball, man. That's the goat. 
He does. That was that was so good. I know he was chuckling to himself when the mic was turned off. <laughs> and you know what? He earned it. I'm happy for you, Jim. Um, time to talk, Rory, or anyone else? Um, just a quick little flyby. Tom Kim and Sung J M finishing T16. I feel pretty bullish about their futures at Augusta. Um, I don't know if Tom Kim's long enough to win one of these, but he's got the everything else game. Uh, Jason Day, Jason Day and Max Homa combined yeah. 14 over on Sunday. Tough scene. Max Homa still has one top 40 in a major. Um, questions got to keep being asked. Questions going to keep being asked until he proves it wrong. And he got halfway there this week and couldn't quite close the door. Um, and then Day, Day was nine under through 14 holes on Friday. Man, I was really rooting for that. That would have been such a cool story, and I feel I very like bad. I, when he got the nine under, I was thinking Day is he might win the the tournament. I just I really wanted a good week from him, and the fact that he held onto it for fifty four holes, or really like sixty holes, and then it had as much of a disaster as it did is just really unfortunate. Yeah. All right. Oh, before we talk about McIlroy, Fred Couples making the cut. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, tempo town. Yes. With the yellow golf ball and like the sketchers, <laughs> like shoes. God, what an icon, man. Um, yeah, this was a very, very cool week for Freddie. It was. Um, I don't know how many more of these he's going to play in. I know he's had back problems in the past. Um, but especially in a week where it was like wet and rainy and cold and like not super good weather for Fred to still be Fred effectively it was really cool. Also, before we get Rory, freaking Tiger Woods made the cut. Yeah. That's Shout out Justin Thomas. Shout out. <laughs> All of the internet being like, okay, JT just needs to bogey one of the last two and then JT immediately hitting it like left of the trees on 17. Oh, what a hero. Um, I should probably talk JT a second too, but uh, Tiger Woods has made four of the five cuts in the tournaments he's played in. And he's played in four majors and an elevated event. In those same five events, Rory McIlroy and Scotty Scheffler have also made four of five cuts. And he's getting brutal weather draws for this injury. Um, I am very glad he withdrew because seeing him hobble around on Saturday hurt my heart a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um. I have, but, I have a question. Give me. How many more masters? How many more? I guess majors in general. But how many more masters do you think we see Tiger Woods play? Oh boy. Um. Because my thought process is, if he comes back next year and breaks the record for most consecutive cuts made, what reason does he have to come back and play again and put himself through that pain? I think the pageantry of the Masters, I think the Masters is different. I think the other majors, barring a development in his health, I think we have another year or two. I think he would suck it up for the Masters another like three or four times. Okay. I think the pageantry of that tournament and what Augusta and the Masters have meant to him, I, I don't think he will tee it up at a U.S. Open or an Open Championship if he doesn't think he can win. I do think he will tee it up at the Masters for the sake of like being there. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, so I would say we probably have like four or five masters left. But if We this need was like him to make the cut next year. He's got no, to if break this the is record. if this is the second if this is like the second to last one or next year's the last one, fine. Yeah. Like Um, yeah. is it time to talk, Rory? I think it is. I think it is. What a disappointing week. Just Yep. all around. Went 77 or went 72 77. Just. Yep. That, that Friday round is one of the most surprising rounds I've ever seen from Rory. Yeah. And he had the, he had a, he had the best weather draw. He yeah, had the he ideal did. weather draw. Um, I don't know. It Thursday was weird. This is the weird part. Rory, this was this was kind of reminiscent of 2021, Rory, for me here when he also did this same thing, uh, which is really funny. That in the last three years we have had a very strange. Um, relationship with Rory and Augusta mm -hmm. of um, 2021 he looks kind of unenthusiastic misses the cut pretty horribly uh, and we're like this course like Rory's never going to figure this place out and then last year he shoots around he shoots on Sunday and was like oh my god he slayed his demons like 2023 is going to be the year and then this year it looks like 2021 again. And the real answer is probably somewhere in the middle. I don't think that Augusta is like some demon in his head that he can't play around. But I also don't think he's figured it out. Um, and we keep like flip-flopping between those two as if they're the only two options that exist. Um, Rory's Friday round reminded me a lot of Kepka's Sunday. Of like no individual shot was bad. He didn't look like he was like struggling with his game, but every shot was like, like the set, like second hole that pin is back left. Uh, the whole green slopes back to front. You have to be short of it. He tries to land it on the very back edge and spin it back toward the hole with his third after he did the bunker off the tee to lay had to lay up. He hits it like a foot too far, and all of a sudden he's like up in the gallery six feet above the hole trying to chip down to like a straightaway green with a bunker long. Um, leaves the chip like an inch short, still in the fringe. Uh, has an unmakeable putt for par. Um, three, hits his tee shot up just short of the green to the front pin. Probably wasn't the play at that whole location. Uh, hits his second shot, never stops, rolls over the back of the green. Now he has a really impossible up and down. Um Six hits a decent shot to the middle of the green that just gets repelled by the slope to 60 feet away, up up and like uphill and then downhill, really hard two putt, three putts it. Um seven pulls his tee shot left, like maybe 15 yards left of the fairway, 10 yards left of the fairway, and it's just stymied. Um eleven hit it from the middle. Eleven was like only real, like genuine, like, oh my god, he's lost it moment where he's like in the middle of the fairway and like pull hooked it like almost left of the pond. Mm -hmm. Um, already 13 and 15 and 16 and 18 more sloppy bogeys it, like no individual moment was I was like oh my god like Rory looks out of whack or like he looks like unprepared by this golf course but he was just playing from behind everywhere 
Yeah. And you just can't do that. So I, I tend to be very pro Rory. So I don't want to turn this into a pro Rory thing. I don't think this is a trend that's going to follow him forward in the majors. I think he was off by a lot less than it looked by his final score. But I also think that the tournament, like he played two of the most gettable Masters windows I've ever seen. Brooks Kepka shot 65-68 in the two windows that Rory played in. And Rory made what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Rory made seven birdies and still shot five over. Over two days. Just couldn't get up and down. Couldn't figure it out. Um, yeah, it just... it. I think this this year specifically played out of his hands of his strategy. I think Rory likes to be a, this is a long tournament. Like I'll have my chances. Let me just like play how I play on Thursday. And Thursday was like the day to go get it. Yeah. And so I think that really played out of his hands that like he was one over through nine holes on Thursday and a day that like the two guys that were in the final group shot 65. Yeah. And then um, after the five over missed cut, we have to talk about, Withdrawing from the RBC Heritage on what Monday? Yes, his second missed elevated event when you can only miss one. I mean, yep. I believe that is a forfeit of some of the pit money to lose it. Yeah, I think that's what um, I saw. It's not a good look. No, it's not, and it's an even worse look when he was the guy that was really championing this elevated event schedule, and he was the guy that was like trying to rally the troops to like get this to make this happen, and to like tell them like, "Hey, I know we like making our own schedules, but like we have to show up at the same place often." Yeah. Um, and for Which him is to be the a first... weird place for an elevated event, first off. Yeah, I think the I think the bigger weird thing about the week is the week after the Masters being an elevated event. Um, I love the Heritage. I hope they never do that again. Um, yeah. But there are a lot of guys, like, I mean, John Rahm's playing the Heritage, and he freaking won. Yeah. Like, it's a bad look. It is. And I don't know what's going on with him. Um, I'm sure that playing the way he did in the most important tournament of his life affects you mentally. But... Like you're the you're the face it, of the PJ tour. Yeah, it's like, dude, like you it, like if if the elevated events were like a house party, like Rory, you're on aux. You can't leave early. Yeah. Like you you pick the music. You can't like sit in the corner. Yeah. Um he tied Ben Carr. Shout if out. I had told if I had told you on Wednesday that Rory and Ben Carr would be tied to 36 holes. Oh, dude, I would have been losing my mind because I'm thinking Ben Carr is leading the tournament. Yep. Yeah. Just... I don't okay. I don't really know what else to say on Rory. It, I think that we tend to be very reactionary with one week a year that he plays. Um so I don't want to sit here and say that like this means that Augusta is like a demon in his head or that he's never going to play well there again or that he's like the chances of him winning the slam are zero because I don't think any of those things are true and I've seen those flying around. But we also can't pretend like this week wasn't a massive negative. Oh, yeah. Because this was the week. 
Yes. This was the week, and this was it played into your hands. You were an aggressive golfer who likes getting low, and you play well when tournaments are low scoring. And the first round is like wet and soft. And you shoot 73, 72. Dude, come on. Yeah. This was this was this was a really, really good opportunity, and he just didn't answer the bell. Yeah. Between his recent between his recent form and again, moving forward, the driver was incredible. He drove the ball super well. Um and he putted pretty well on Thursday. He putted horrifically on Friday, but he putted pretty well on Thursday. It was the short game just putting himself in bad spots. I mean, his second shot on seven on Thursday was in one of the most like terrifying shots in the entire golf course, which is like long of the back bunkers on seven. Mm-hmm. It makes a double. And, or he birdies after that double, he's two over for the tournament. He birdies eight and 10 to get back to even par and give himself a chance with some par fives coming in. And he hits it to 90 feet on 11 and three putts. Like, just could not get out of his own way at all the whole week. Um. Yeah, seven birdies and he was five over. That's insane for the number. Yeah, three a lot. A, a lot of it looked like short game, like, and a lot of it was putting on Friday. Yeah. So, yeah, disappointing. Um, I don't think it means as much as some people like to say it means going forward, both for the rest of the majors or for the Masters for him, but. You're not going to get many chances when you are 33 and healthy and playing some of your best golf of your career. And to just punt one of those away um, is an incredible disappointment. Yeah, I agree. It's very disappointing. Do you have anybody else that you want to talk about from this week? Um, like I kind of had him saved for last in my mind. So, I- JT? We can talk JT. Uh, just kind of unfortunate to me a little bit uh, getting that weather draw. Yeah. Um. I didn't get to watch his back nine on Saturday morning. Um. It was not it, good. Yeah, it seemed bad, uh, and he did not seem like a happy camper. Um. Yeah. JT J- JT's JT's course record at Augusta should be way better than it is. Yeah. For the iron player that he is and the scrambler that he is and the wedge player that he is, he should play better here. I think he wants it a little too badly, but that's been talked about ad nauseum. I, I'm i a little worried about JT. But so over the last three months, uh, according to the strokes gain, like query tool, um, let's see... Over the last three months, he's still like a top 18 player in the world. 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 15, 14, 15, 16. He's 17th in the strokes game query tool over the last uh, three months, with all with like a really bad putter. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, he just doesn't look like the guy that he looked like the last two years. I think the last two years, he looked like someone who – his golf kind of rose in big events and his ball striking was like elite, elite. And he hasn't been that. Yeah. He's outside. He's like, he's 12th in the world right now. He hadn't been outside of the top 10 
since 2017, I think. And he's like kind of comfortably outside of it now. Yeah. Which is weird because uh, he has this calendar year, he has a fourth, a tenth, and three other top 25s in seven starts. So he's not playing horribly, but it just like all, like it doesn't look like he's close either. I agree. And maybe he is. Maybe I'm maybe I'm way off, and I hope I am because golf is better when JT's playing well. But it's just it's hard to not be apathetic about it. Yeah, he, he like you said, he should his track record at Augusta should be better. But I mean, he he put Tiger to the weekend this year, so I can't be can't be too mad. Yeah, I'm willing. I'm willing to give him that one. I'm willing to forgive him there. He knew it was online, did it on purpose. Helping out a buddy. Good friend of the Tigers. Yeah. <laughs> um I don't think there's really anybody. I mean, Gordon Sargent, just a terrible week around the greens. Yeah. You lost set more than seven strokes around the greens in two days. Um just... maybe a maybe a win for the anti bomb and gouge crowd. Um but Augusta is tough to figure that out. Um, I mean, what a rough front or rough front nine on <laughs> his first. His first three holes was such a swing of emotions. He hits a 370 yard drive, has 85 yards into the first, hits a flip wedge <laughs> like 15 feet, makes birdie, and then hits like greenside and two and two, makes bogey, and then like makes a triple on three because he like ch- like chunks the first chip and then chips it over the green. Just... He lost. He lost three and a quarter strokes around the green on two and three on Thursday alone. Oh my god, that's bad. And he also lost a stroke putting between those two holes. So he lost almost five strokes on and around the greens in two holes. That's absurd. Yo, we'll see Gordon Sargent. Gordon Sargent is still Gordon Sargent is going to be a very, very good golfer. He has a lot to learn. He hasn't really played. This is the first time he's played like PGA Tour level greens. Yeah, give give him a little bit. But Um, that's all I had for the week. I think that's all I had. Shout out Sam Lott and Larry Mize, last Masters. Yeah, that was really finishing dead last. Really, really unfortunate that they called the weather delay as Sandy Lyle was like lining up his last putt. Yeah, really stupid. I know Jason Kokrak called him out for it. I believe the exact word he used was "chicken shit," which I'm fine with. Um, Shout out to Kokrak for coming back in the morning though, playing with him. Rather yeah. Than going. Yep. Yep. Shout out very, very much a shout out to let him have that moment and have someone else on that green with him rather than like Kokrak was eight over. Um, yeah. or seven over, I believe that when he woke up that morning, he very easily could have just ejected. But to let also shout out Sandy Lyle for saying he was drinking until like one a.m. <laughs> the night before. God, what a hero! Um, but yeah, shout out Sandy Lyle, um, and Larry Mice, very much so. And then one more thing: there's just the uh, the Cam Smith shot out of the bunker. The, the oh, filthy, 
filthy. Oh, that was the last question I wanted to ask. That shot was filthy. Um, the the it's a fairway way out of the bunker that like kicks a slope and rolls like six feet and makes eagle. Absurd. God, it's like it's like watching a high, it's like watching a college point guard like pull up from the logo. <laughs> yeah. Like go, oh okay. Yeah, that was that was the best shot of the week. Yeah, that was um. That wasn't just a shot that only camps. That wasn't just a shot that like PGA Tour players get. That's a shot that like a few PGA Tour players get. That was oh, ridiculously yeah. hard. Yeah. Um, that was the last question I wanted to ask. Was this how much of a win was this week for Liv? A big win. I agree. A big win. The, I mean, the only thing that could have made it bigger was Kepka winning the tournament, which obviously didn't happen. But I mean, you have Phil Mickelson, who's been arguably not top forty on the Live Tour. Since he joined, and I don't think even arguably, dude. <laughs> yeah, he's been emphatically. <laughs> and he finished tied second, and yeah, Patrick Reed finishing tied fourth. Um, obviously Kepka, Joaquin Neiman was under par. I mean, it's a big win for for Liv. Cam Smith made the cut. Harold Varner made the cut. Abraham Answer made the cut. Taylor Gooch. So a lot of guys. Thomas Peters made the cut. Dustin Johnson, Charles Schwartzel. Big win for Liv this week. Yeah, I think uh, Data Golf projected that 11 and a half guys would make the cut, and 12 did. Yeah. So. But a lot of these guys were probably not going to be back here next year. Yeah, that was, uh, I saw someone said that. Uh, Brooks Kepka, now that he didn't win, the last Masters that he's exempt to is next year. Dang. Man. Like, and Reed, Mickelson, like, a couple of those guys. I will say, this was, Liv far surpassed my expectations. I don't think this means Liv is, I don't think this means Liv is going to far surpass my expectations in the next three majors. Um, Phil and Reed could probably top ten at Augusta with no form coming in. Yeah. Um, and Kepka's even played here a couple times well before. I'm very curious to see. It doesn't answer the question for me of what happens when they go to a major course that they don't know. Mm-hmm. And I am willing to be the little like poo poo guy that's like I don't know yet, even though they just like proved me wrong. But I'm not all the way to like, yeah, live is back. Yeah. Like, if Brooks had won, it would have been two straight majors at St. Andrews and Augusta. And that, I mean, that's a death blow to the tour. It is not a, not a death blow, but it's really brutal. So, uh, I don't want to view John Rahm and Brooks Kepka as if they were like fighting in culture war or anything. But uh, this week was far above expectations for Liv. Yeah, and uh, and you know what? As much as I don't like the product. I'm okay with that. I think it's more interesting than a lot of these guys like being terrible. Yeah. It does suck we're not going to see a lot of these guys play more than likely going forward, though. Yes. Especially, like, Joaquin Neiman isn't exempt in the next year's Masters. He's 24. Two-time PJ Tour winner. Yeah. It sucks. But it is what it is. Your guy Keith Mitchell had a. I'm just going down the scoreboard right now, but Keith Mitchell had a rough, rough weekend. Listen, listen, <laughs> listen. 
we made the cut. You we did. made the cut, and that is the most important thing. Holy crap, 77-79. Sick. <laughs> he made a 9 on 13. He played 13 5 over over the weekend. Do we know who won our little draft thing? No, that is a good question. I will get – I am going to uh, – It was looking I have, like we're running away with it with John Rahm and Jason Day. When... But Day full ejected. <laughs> and um, you have Keith Mitchell who shot. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to do that math. Uh, I'm going to double the score of the guys who missed the cut, and then I'll do that math and get that up on our socials at some point today. So okay. if you listen to this, by the time this comes out, the results of our Masters draft will probably be up. I think I know who's going to end up winning. Well, then, I guess we should see. Any thoughts on the Heritage this upcoming week? Um, it's a fun tournament. Jordan Spieth won it last year, obviously. Uh, I'm excited to watch it. Don't think it should be an elevated event again the week after the Masters, but... I agree. Um, to pick blindly, without a whole lot of thought behind it, Morikawa. Give me John Rom. <laughs> Bold. It'd be really sick if he won again. If he wins yeah. this week, if he wins this week, we're looking at like a VJO for like Tiger season. Yeah. Straight up, but Scotty yeah. is the favorite. According that to makes sense. that makes sense. That makes sense. I'm picking Morikawa. I like it. Blindly, he's played too well this year to not win. The top ten and the only major, three top sixes. Mm-hmm. Of course, is not. Of course, values accuracy over length. Feels easy. Feels too chalky, but Kawa. All right, DJ. Closing thoughts. Closing arguments. Anything else? You want to filibuster for a second? All floors, all yours. Gonna miss this tournament. Gotta wait another yep. year. Yep. The this channel is currently off air. Hurts. Yeah, it does. But shout out the Masters app. The best app uh, yeah. ever. I, I never delete it. It's always on my phone. Oh, I don't delete it either. But just the best app on on the planet. The fact that it doesn't it hasn't glitched. And what ever is the most easy to navigate app? Just shout out the master masters app. That's the last thing I got to say. I couldn't agree more. Best technology in sports. Yes. And I'm really excited to see what they improve next year. Me too. I think that's everything. I think it's everything I have as well. All so right. We'll see y'all next week. Hopefully, goes back to back. That'd be lunacy, man. Or Ricky Fowler. Totally Is he even in the field? I thought he was. I mean, he might be. He is in the field. He's in a. He's, his group is. He might be in John Rom's group, something like that. But yeah, he's in the field. Nice. Well, then I am looking. Regardless of my thoughts about this being an elevated event, I always, I'm always looking forward to the Heritage. This is a really cool course. Mm-hmm. So, really cool vibe, really cool course. I'm excited for it. Me too. All right. Thank you for listening. That you've, if you've listened so far this 
uh, so far, and we are excited to be back next week with more PGA Tour recap. See y'all. Thank y'all for listening. Peace.